Just sing while you're doing shit, Robin. I'll let you know when I hear you. Uh, there okay. we go. I just, all right. All right. Discord went to default and not my microphone for input. Uh, Steam orbs. I don't even like my default is some like non-existent mix of numbers and letters that I don't think actually applies to anything. And then the other week I had to deal. I was uh, on a team. Layer two pixel cast one hundred and twenty-one. I'm your host, Tim Henderson. Two in a row. We're kind of like settling this order back into its you know usual rhythm after a little. I know me going away and then packs happening and me not being in Australia and the yen being so weak that even if I wanted to go to Australia, it would cost me half my life savings. Whatever, it's actually all just a great scheme so that Huso can make people play really terrible games at the end of the year. Like, this is actual calendar work that's gone into this. It's the most planning we've done on one of these podcasts in, like, two years, I think. <laughs> and we talked about a guy who was stalked by the Michelin star people for, like, five years. <laughs> for the remainder of the preamble. Um... But yeah, Huso, you know we haven't actually been on a show together for a while somehow, so um, welcome back, but also welcome back me at the same time. Yeah, it's good to be back. I have missed a few, haven't I, this year? Um, been away, and then kind of just the way things have worked out, but hopefully I can be on a few more. Yeah, you thought that, you know, having kids that eventually become adults, you know, that's one thing, and then pass the HSC, that could be another, and then you could probably go to university and, like, you know... They can drink now legally, which is probably going to open up its whole other little... Yeah, yeah, working at pubs and, yeah, all that sort of stuff, so... Life's fun. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) greyer. A part of that seems sincere and a part of that seems like I want to kill myself, which I guess is roughly the general story of, like, parenting that I've been told. Ken, can you confirm confirm or deny this? I wasn't paying attention, would you say? Parenting is simultaneously fun and wanting to kill yourself. Oh, yeah, um, more the latter than the former. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just take it that your kids do not listen to this show. No, 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 no. no. Oh, I love them dearly. Oh. On days. On days. There are minutes. There, there are minutes of joy. There are moments in there. You know... On balance, I sometimes would like to see a refund policy. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my. Oh, wow. No, you passed the two-hour playtime, Ken. You can't get a refund. Yeah. <laughs> Steam is just saying no. Yep. Oh, all right. Um, and, and um, yeah, in, in the land of, like, perfect freedom, I guess, at this point. Rob, how you doing? Ah. Uh. Well, good enough considering uh, a few other a few other things, but I at least get to play some games and and scheme and scheme. Yeah, I try to plan my own content plan for the end of the year, uh, which could be which could be fun. Um, impending new machines dropping um, and other things like that. Oh yeah, I mean you know, kind of like beholden to like things that other corporations decide to do. Kind of like yeah, yeah. Less less corporations and small and more small bands of of dedicated and, and eccentric crews. That's right. I almost forgot who I was speaking to. Anyway, um, <coughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that, I guess that is appropriate. We're gonna just kind of like focus on the joy of when games get weird. This episode that that we can come at that from like several different angles. We're probably just gonna pick up games that we like that have certain moments, or maybe are entirely 
to focus on and talk about why that does or doesn't work. But before that does come games, and I have a feeling the first one we're going to be talking about is going to come back again in the um, end game. You so you're, you're like we're putting the afro away, we're putting the suit back on. Yep. Kid who's back on the street, but he like lost his name or some shit. Well, he didn't lose his name. He erased it on right. purpose. Right. And yeah. So uh, scratch, 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 scratch. <laughs> this is like a dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Really long video game name. We're just going to call this. We're going to uh, call Kiryu's it call adventure. it Yakuza Streets of Rage Edition. Yes. <laughs> and so what this is? This is a little little uh, Yakuza adventure. It's not like the full kind of twenty five hour plus classic style or and it's not the jrpg style of of the newer game yakuza 7 this is like this kind of it it took me about 14 hours to finish six only six chapters instead of the traditional 13 um tight story that kind of fills in the gap between yakuza 6 and and comes through and runs parallel with yakuza 7 so I'm probably going to have to dip a little into spoiler territory for the older games here to explain, but essentially at the end of Yakuza 6, to save, uh, you know, to protect his uh, orphanage, Kiru basically fakes his own death with the help of a shadowy organisation. Um, and so that shadowy organisation is now using Kiru as an agent of theirs, um, and they've given him a code name, Joru, which is, you know, what he goes through and uh, basically pretends he's not Kiru the whole game when everyone keeps going, hey, you he's look like, the, like Kiru. Pretty much like the most <laughs> recognisable guy in Kamakut Cho or whatever at this yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this one is set in Sotenbori, not in Kamakucho at all. So um, the the Osaka map um, from the, the franchise. But yeah, so it, it's, it's super cheesy. It's super fun. He's a new fighting style, which is based on spy gadgets because you're like part of a spy organization now. So you've got kind of this electric lasso and jet boots and drones and all these other things that just add to the madness that is Yakuza games. And it works really well. It's super fun to play. This sounds as ridiculously style. good. It is. It is. This game is 100% fan service, right? Like, this is a game for fans. It is not for new people. If you haven't played any of the other games, you are going to be so lost in this game because nothing will make sense. Does it matter, have... though? Oh, it, it kind of does because yeah. there's so many cool moments in it that you go, yeah, that's a throwback to, like, Yakuza 3 or or even Judgment Call. Like, Judgment comes into it and, and all these other things. So if, if for proper fans that have played everything, they're going to have a blast with this. And they've probably already decided that they're going to buy it anyway, right? Um but it, it's it's a really tight slice uh, of that classic Yakuza beat 'em up formula. Um, you go around uh, Sotenpori, you've got this kind of side meta of the, uh, there's the uh, uh, I forget a name, but there's this network of like homeless people that are information gatherers and by doing good deeds around town you boost that network so you might you know save a bloke from getting beat up for his change or you might use your lasso to get a kid's ball down from the tree or something like that you know and and that'll that'll boost this network and all those stupid shit that yakuza does but it just totally makes sense in these games and then there's the coliseum so there's the new uh if you ever played the older games and there was the big gambling and coliseum area under the park there's that Always kind of like thing. this kind of underground lair that is like some decadent yeah. beyond Bond villain shit that's kind of going on. Yeah. yeah. So there's one of those in this game, which is called the castle and it's on a boat out to sea. 
uh, and there's a Coliseum there, of course. And the Coliseum's actually been really fleshed out. And it used to be just, you know, a couple of fights that you took Kiru. But now you can actually build a team uh, and go in, like, big team battles. And you can go in one versus many's or one versus ones. And there's a whole range of things. So the team battles are really fun in that you can recruit legendary Yakuza figures like uh, Goro Majima. And uh, you can recruit Kaito from Judgment and all these other... Um, different classic characters can be recruited into your team and you could play as them in, in the Coliseum or they can just be a helper for you and, and Kidu. Um, and then it all loops together in this kind of way with Yakuza 7. Because if you've played Yakuza 7 towards the end, uh, you, you know, to, you know that Kiru comes into it and there's, there's a bit of crossover there. Yeah, I already and- got to an unbeatable lost fight, so that's probably not happening, but. <laughs> so anyway, you get to that point and it kind of the the two games intersect and, and Kiru meets Ichiban from Seven and and you know, you get that cool reveal with, with Majima and Sajima realizing that Kiru's not dead and all this whole bunch of fan service fun and and yeah, really it's a it's it's a really tight story. There's no dead moments. Some of the Yakuza games they have kind of these slow moments because they're so big, whereas even this, zero dragged an occasion, like yeah, so this is really, you know, because it's a, sh- a shrunken time frame, there is no, there's no slow. This is, this is go to woe. Uh, the, this story is, is, is mental, of course, but it's, it's fun. Like the ending of it is genuinely heartwarming. Uh, See, the story's and, and mental, bit... but like the core stories of these games yeah. are quite often quite well done, slightly soap opera-ish, but like can be legitimately good. Well, this genuinely is a, a, a kind of gut-wrenching ending that I'm not going to spoil, obviously, but it, it's it's hard to watch the end of this uh, in a way that, you know, I, I mean, I'm totally sold on this world, right? So obviously it means more to me. But um, it, it it was a, a really superb ending that felt like a wonderful way uh, for Kiru to finally put to bed everything that's been before him and move forward. Because the thing with this game is you also know that Infinite Wealth comes out in Early February. Next year, yeah. Yeah, and that's the next full Yakuza experience. It's back to the turn-based JRPG style. And Kiru is one of the main characters again with Ichiban, so they're kind of teaming up. Uh, it also explains how Kiru gets the... Dumbass haircut you've seen in the trailers for Infinite. Oh Wars my god! Too, so. <laughs> That's his disguise. He just went to Don Quixote and bought like a Dante wig. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, this this game is not for newcomers. If you're a newcomer, start with zero or go with seven. Um, don't start with this because you'd be lost. Uh, but if you have played the other games, this is just fan service at its best, and and there is no way that's not going to bring a smile to your face. It's it looks stunning. Um, the cabaret clubs are back though. They're even more yeah, the sleazy than ever. Live action, live action seems a little yeah. bit. Hmm. Luckily, you only have to do it once for the game. I mean, you could choose to go back and keep doing the cabaret club activity, but it just it doesn't sit well with. I, I'm assuming most of Western audiences. It's it, it just feels that bit skeezy. Um. But yeah, otherwise it's it's great. I loved it. Loved it. Right, if, you, if you love Yakuza, you're gonna love this I mean, game. I'm pretty I mean, it's the easiest sell on the planet, right? I am pretty sure. There's one one important thing I need to know though, which is yes. is Daytona USA two accessible from the menu? No, there's ah. no Daytona. There is Sega Rally. Um, there is Sonic Fighters. There's Virtual Fighter two. 
And... I thought it was like, or am I getting this confused with next year's release, where it was a big deal, where this was like the first time Daytona 2 was going to appear on a console? I thought it was the, the next year one. It's the next year one, it must be. It's not in this one. This one, uh, and then what was the other one? There was a, like a motorbike one that I Manics hadn't ever seen before. TT? Right, no, no, it was like a, mo- it was kind of like Road Rash almost, but okay. futuristic. I um, am Googling yeah. it now. Is there something called Sega Racing Classic 2 in there? Yes. Which is actually just what they've called Daytona 2. Oh, is it? Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Sega Racing Classic, yeah. Um, and then there's, yeah, there's this kind of motorbike one. But there's also the Mega Drive from Lost Judgments in it as well, too. So you can play the old Mega Drive games as well. So they've, they've, they've really kind of emulated a shitload of Sega classics in this game, too. So if you, if that's your thing. It like, is a Sega ass world, man. That's fine. Oh, yeah, very much so. Like Sega World still exists. <laughs> <laughs> Blue Kona, Darling yeah. Harbour, totally not a ghost town now. Also, it's on Game Pass too, day one. Um, so if you're an Xbox Yakuza fan, you're in for a treat because both of them are going to be day one Game Pass games. Yeah. The new uh, Infinite Wealth next year and this one. I'm screwed because my computer's 11 years old and I don't have an Xbox. Um, Rob, you're playing not an anime, even though I, that is what I thought it was when you told me. <laughs> Apparently Berserk is not just... Not just a hugely muscular guy with an even more hugely muscular sword. Yep, yep, yep. So I'm playing this for review. It's the latest in Atari's recharged uh, series of reimagining their old games. Or in the case of this one, Berserk wasn't originally theirs, but they acquired it as part of... They acquired the IP as part of their many, many mergers and acquisitions over the last year or so. Um, And so the idea in Berserk Recharged is you're a little dude and you want to... You fight through... Basically, screen arenas that are the size of the screens. There's a bunch of baddies you clear out for each, and the idea is you're trying to get as many points as possible, trying to blast them as quickly as you can. Um, if you take too long in a room, there is a, a baddie called Evil Otto, who is a giant smiling ball that'll appear and bounce along, and if he gets you, instant game over. And you've got, like, five hit points of health. You can regain health. There's a lot of power-ups they've added. Um... And so they've taken the the core idea of Berserk, which was you just ran through this endless series of rooms. Like, you enter a room from one, one like, compass direction, mm-hmm. and that one is blocked off. But at, when you go through the room, you can go through any of the exits. So, you know, north, east, west, south, you come through south, you can't go south. Yeah. Um, and then it was just, like, the rooms are randomly laid out. In the original game, they randomly had, like, a thousand rooms generated, um, that are just randomly picked. Um, and I think there's not as many, but there definitely is that kind of element to it here. Um, one thing they've added is you've got a dash, so you, you kind of move at a kind of average speed. It's a little imprecise. Um, the other thing they've done is they've made it a twin-stick shooter. In the original game, you sort of had a joystick and single fire button. This is yeah. like you, you move left stick, right stick aims, and then you have to hold down. I'm playing on PS5, so R2... Um, to shoot, which I think is a bit awkward. I don't really... Mm. There, it doesn't seem to be a reason that you really should need to do that. There's you should no just be able to... no mapping? No mapping options, which is really annoying because you have, like... You have uh, a dash move and you can get power-ups that, like, there's one that drops a mine behind you or something. And to use the power-up when you've got it is L2 and to dash is, R, is L1. And I wish I could flip that around because I didn't really use the dropping the um, power-up much, whereas I dashed a lot. They've also got the... The other thing the Recharge games do is they have this missions mode, and this was 
kind of a little more interesting to me because what they did was you go through and it's like a, a, a fixed set of rooms that you have to move through. You have to go through and clear out all the enemies. Um, and you can go back into rooms, which you can't do in the normal game, um, the normal arcade mode. But in this mode, you can go back to a room in case you need to skip an enemy. And the idea is it's like if you, you're trying to rack up as many points as possible by taking them out as quickly as possible. I kind of like the challenges there because they were a little more bite-sized. And it felt like I wasn't just grinding to the void endlessly. Like, they got the vibe down pat a little more. Like, one of those things um, that comes with the recharge games, I find sometimes they nail the the core of what the original game was. And sometimes they miss it pretty badly. Like, they missed it pretty badly with Caverns of Mars, which was basically, what if scramble, but you're descending through a cave? And they made it like an endless cave fire, and it didn't feel right. Quantum, which is the last one I covered... Um, was sort of um, it sort of extracted the thing and it sort of felt right in this sort of weird Geometry Wars kind of way but it wasn't quite the original what the original Quantum was this feels close to what the original Berserk was with bits added on and it's pretty good um, if you want some good arcade fun it's it's pretty decent um, we're it looks still... eerily familiar like I'm just looking I'm Aside from the fact that, like, it's very neon visuals, but it's like, this that feels like Apogee has knocked this game off, like, five times when they were at the peak of their shareware power or something. Yeah, like, the original game was very, very simplistic, and this is very not that. Like, it's just the sort of general vibe that the recharge games go for. I don't feel it kind of works as well, because one of the things is, in the original arcade game, all the walls in the rooms were, were lethal to touch, and they're not here. There are, like, walls that you can shoot through, and the way that the walls are drawn in means, like, there was this weird perspective in the original game that worked, but they've not followed through on that. And so it feels a bit weird. Like, I clipped into the walls a lot when playing, which you really don't want for a game that's this frantic. So it's like, they've done some stuff good and some, some stuff not so good, but it's it's okay. I mean, I'm, I've am i only had it for a couple of days, so I need to spend more time with it before I really get down to writing, to doing a write-up. But, I mean, it's... It's more of the same from that series, really. Um, at least it's a lot closer to the inspiration. But I'm definitely enjoying it. But I'm just enjoying the missions mode a little more than the than the main arcade mode, which is which hasn't been the case with a lot of the recharge games. I tend to prefer the main sort of main arcade mode. But this, yeah, the missions just feel, even though it's the same sort of formula um, as the main game, it's sort of I just think it's executed a little better. Um, these, these are all going to be about execution. Like into the core. Yeah, like, that's kind of made me think again about how like te- technological restrictions sometimes perhaps perhaps acted like an editor, like they held back the bad ideas if you got too ambitious. I was just like, you can't do it anyway. Yeah, you have to do one of them, and you're going to know if that's fun or not because it's the only thing you're doing. Yeah, I mean the, the the one thing that I'm really really disappointed about is Berserk is a game that's the original arcade game was very much known for being a very early arcade game with speech with speech synthesis. And so the game would taunt you. Like, honestly, track mode would be like coins detected in pocket and um, and things like that. And if you ent- if you left a room without clearing all the enemies, it would taunt you and things like that. There is none of the speech. Like, no attempt to even reproduce that. And I think that that's... To be fair, coins a- detected in pocket would confuse the shit out of the average teenager today. Absolutely. But there are, like, taunts when you... If you cleared out a room... Like, if you cleared out a room, it will taunt you as you move to the next room. If you if you went through a room and didn't leave without killing all the enemies, the game would call you a coward. Fight like a... 
Well, you know, it would call you a handy place, like if you had like a leaderboard with your friends or something to like pull from that or something. Yeah. Like, I think it's sort of part of the, to me, that's part of the game's identity. And I really am disappointed they, they didn't do anything with it. Like they could have done something with that to bring that vibe over. Um, the cabinet had an attitude. Yeah, the cabinet had an attitude. It's <laughs> definitely something that, you know, arcade games of that era did not have. Yeah, those just things you put your coins into. Um, that's, 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 um, you know, then like bounce onto the last one. It's like, feels a little bit full circle though, because, um, I have for the whole, I've been playing a bunch of stuff in the background and I've like increasingly just like moved my attention more and more to the remake of Nier, which Huso tried to say the full name of before we started recording and we just figured it was too many numbers because I just guessed Yoko Taro sat at a keyboard and just like smacked at the top row of his keyboard (laughs) and said that'll do. (laughs) But yeah, it's basically Nier PS4 version except Platinum Games came in and cleaned it up a little bit and like made the combat smoother. Um, and emphasis and cleaned it up a little bit because my gosh, I'm looking at this going, how does this game look this basic in an era like it came out in 2020? So mm. it wasn't a PS5 game, but the PS4 would have been like a standard for Pro would have been a standard. It's like how is a draw distance this bad in a game world? <laughs> this devoid of detail so much of the time. It does definitely mm. run at 60 frames per second, but um, yeah, like if we're going like way back in Pixelcast history to like the Player Two days, um, the reason I bought near for the you mean pixel cast days no like the player two pixel cast days back back when dylan was in charge of all this shit yeah so the pixel cast yeah yeah the pixel hunt why am i saying player two yeah pixel hunt yeah yeah. pixel cast as well we're all confusing ourselves um to be fair it is my fault to begin with yes um, yes it is i mean pixel hunt i I, I was looking at i was looking at ken's like photo of ken and he's not there to help me (laughs) so yeah the pixel hunt (laughs) days You've had that photo since the Pixel Hunt days, so... Probably. (laughs) The thing is, you can't look back at me through it. So, yeah, we're talking, like, what, 2009, 2010 or something. Like, basically when the game came out, and, like... And it was, like, so weird the way this game, like, crept up on everybody. Like, Dylan bought it, and and the way he talked about it was like, yeah, sometimes I just want to play something, like, weirdly 7 out of 10 on average. Um, Which is not a selling point, but, like, I remember talking about all these things that happening in the game, going, this game sounds interesting. And then I bought it, and just the way our brains were working back then, I was like, yeah, this is like the most interesting 7 out of 10 game ever. And it took me, like, probably the better part of a year to, like, break out of that and go, actually, this game is just a fucking masterpiece just because the developers don't have the chops to, like, you know, put all the, like, spit and polish of, like, standard AAA development on it. It doesn't mean that this thing that is, like, simultaneously, like, borrowing from, like, shmups and then, like, becoming, like, survival horror for a bit before, like, going into survival horror meets Diablo before turning into, like, a visual novel... And, like, a bunch of other stuff and doing it just completely seamlessly and always making sense. Um, it's great. It's still, it's, it's, it's still fucking great. And, um, there's a whole bunch of thematical stuff that maybe also went over your head now that would be impossible to miss right now. This game will be timeless. <laughs> Playing it again it becomes increasingly clear that this game wants you to know that you are effectively not really thinking about how much a murderous rampage you were going on in this land with these things that you've de- just decided are monsters and you're slaughtering them because you've been told they're monsters but maybe they also belong there as well and we're going this is this is hidden pretty <laughs> this this one mm. th- yeah this one, this game's got a bit of a voice huh mm. it's not something that's been repeated in history a few times no it's definitely not happening right now either mm. <laughs> 
But no, I, it, it's it, it's weird how quickly I got back into it. Because my initial reaction was like, oh, I really thought it was going to look at least as good as Nier Automata. Um, and it, it does doesn't. not. And then three hours later, it just didn't fucking matter. But the soundtrack is still amazing. It is smoother to play now. Like it, it. I say three hours because it's actually a bit slower. So, like Nier Automata just like opens with a freaking bang, probably because it was de- like designed by Platinum from the ground up. Whereas this is much more of a crawl, but like once it gets going, and like it's just new gameplay concept, new gameplay concept, new gameplay concept, building on themes, building on themes, building on themes. It's basically like the greatest. Like it's called um an RPG, an action RPG, a lot, but it, it feels a lot more easy to describe it as kind of like a traditional Zelda almost, except like way weirder, but weirder because it wants to do things and these are the things it wants to do, not just because it's like, hey, I can paint this in weird mushroom colors. Also, also, this is weirdly exciting for me. Probably doesn't matter to anybody else, and that's kind of the brilliant bit of it, is like that fucking fucking fishing mini game, which I wasted like an hour and a half on, I want to say, the first game, because like, you have to like catch a specific fish. It's a knowingly dumb quest, but you have to catch a specific fish to make, I think, from memory, I think a painkiller or something. But you can only catch it from, like, one specific part of what is, like, a whole coastal town. So, like, a whole bunch of places you can go fishing, but only one of them works. And it doesn't make it clear in the original game from memory. Or I wasn't paying attention. This time around, it says, no, go fish over there. Which I really, really appreciated. Because I was already in the back of my head going, am I going to have to look up a walkthrough for this? Because I did not want to go through that one very specific thing again. Yeah, when the first game came out, it probably wasn't as easy to go IGN guides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ironically, that would be actually less of a problem now as well than it was back then. Like certainly, yeah. But no, I, I still like. Um, I'm definitely going to like go through and like. I know. I mean, I know what happens, but like, it's like amazing just like watching it all unfold. Like the new game plus the way it's going to like reveal. I know it's going to, but whatever. Play New Order, you play this. They it has the most interesting new game plus of basically anything ever it does things it's kind of really essential to the actual experience um my only side bit is i'm playing it as part of the mid-tier playstation plus at the moment and between what sony has just done to the pricing of playstation plus and the fact that i was living in london when i bought my ps3 and registered for playstation network so all of my shit is in the uk and i'm dealing with a japanese yen versus uk pound exchange rate at the moment the price has felt like it's basically doubled for me so that may be going on hiatus a bit when i run out yeah Oh man, I wish I wish Rob's facial expression could be converted to like an audio sound at the moment because he is wincing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oof! It just it, that's just a big oof, all right. Grab that that damn oof sound that that got reused in Roblox, and there's you know plenty of contro- controversy around it. But what I I I still cannot recommend this all enough. If 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 you see it, I don't even say it's worth paying full price for, but you probably don't have to. If you are in a subscription server that has it, or you see it for like thirty bucks. It's really fucking worth a go. Especially at the moment, like, the it's, like, weirdly relevant to the way it uses its bizarro fantasy world to, like, mimic reality in a way that is legitimate, let's say. Yeah. And it's, like, it a feels way... feels timeless at yeah, the moment. It, it goes a step beyond going, war is bad and okay, and kind of, like, actually delved into that shit, while also being kind of weird and bizarre at the same time. And you know what, let's, let's take a break and then... Partly because I need a glass of water desperately, and then when we come back, we're going to keep on with the weird and bizarre trend. 
yeah, we're back. Things got weird on the break during in ways that I did not expect, although maybe not ways that you are maybe now imagining because I said something like that. Um, but yeah, I make bring this way back down to the innocent innocent land where we we, we should be. We're, yeah, and just talk about games, how they get weird, and how weird can be good and enhance experience. I, experience. I, I guess we could go in the other direction, but I would really like to focus on weird being good because. I ba basically, everything is normal if it's normal to you, so weird generally just kind of means different. Because when I was like, I made a small list for this, and then I, I put Super Mario Wonder down, because that game seems like weird and trippy, and then I stopped and thought, if a person just didn't know video games or video game culture at all, and came into like somebody playing Mario Kart, and you were like this toad in a friggin' minecart, like riding across Rainbow Road, that game would seem trippy as shit. <laughs> 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 yeah i mean you've got to come at it i think as um a video game player to to appreciate the weird we're going to talk about in this episode <laughs> but yeah this basically came across because i have realized that there's no way Huso is not going to make alan wake 2 his game of the year 100 percent. it's it's not only game of the year it's my best game i probably from the last 10 years i I adore that in so many ways, and it is absolute mind-bendingly crazy game that only a studio like Remedy could make. So, uh, yeah, if we want to talk weird, I can go way down that rabbit hole with Alan Wake easily. The it's, fun it's bit just... is going to be keeping it spoiler-free. Yeah, the thing yeah, I, yeah. The thing I find interesting is, like, the first Alan Wake is a game that promised to be weird, but it had the trappings, but it was ultimately pretty pedestrian. Mm. Like once, like everything was established, it was like shine torch, at shadowy thing, shoot it. Maybe and, and it, or it was kind repeat. of. A, it, it, I think it set itself up the first game in being kind of this imitation of better writers at that point. You know, it was it was imitating David Lynch and it was imitating Stephen King. They were the two clear influences on uh, Alan Wake, and I, I really enjoyed Alan Wake. It was it was a great game for me. I, I enjoyed it, but what. Uh, Remedy have done since Alan Wake is they've done Control and now they've done Alan Wake 2. And they've that you can see in every iteration, every game they've released, they've improved on those things that kind of define what a Remedy game is. And that's the writing and, and the kind of oddities and, and, and the, the weirdness. that they the off-kiltiness of everything. Yeah, every, everything's inherently odd with Remedy games, but it works, right? Like, Control set up this wonderful universe of this X-Files-like uh, house that's even more bonkers than X-Files, you know? And then and then to tie that all in perfectly with Alan Wake 2, the way they have, without spoilers, like this, no spoilers, they've been very open in talking about creating this Remedy universe. Uh, you know, it puts the universe building in stuff like Marvel to shame really like they have just done it in so many subtle ways as as well as the obvious ones and and it just continues to create this cycle of amazing storytelling in this super odd universe the super kind of mind-bending way of thinking of things and um they still manage like even right to the end of alan wake 2 it finishes with a kind of wow moment you sit there stunned at it going oh i want to talk to someone about, about this, this because this is so cool but i can't yeah. because i played it before in bar <laughs> you know so <laughs> yeah your privileges come and bit you in the ass 
Yeah, it's kind of like the game that you want to play in, in right in the middle of the zeitgeist, you know, because you want to be. It's a water cooler game. You want to want to be around people that get up the same part as you did, and because it's just the way it deals with kind of this existential thing with Alan Wake as a writer changing reality with his writing, and then makes a gameplay mechanic out of that, and it works. Like it's just. Like to think of that, there's got to be like mountains of these flowcharts on on walls in somewhere in Remedy offices to, to, to how they got that to work. Because yeah, that is so freaking cool. Um, but it's completely out there. Just, like yeah. there's nothing else like it. So yeah, I, I'll wanna, talk about well, I'd say all day, David but, yeah. Lynch films are probably quite a bit like it. Like the <laughs> inspirations yeah. are. Um, I actually wanted to tag on to that onto Remedy just a little bit, only because. <clears throat> As you were talking about Remedy, I just realized Max Payne, mm-hmm. and it's been a long time since I played Max Payne 1, 2, and 3, like a yep. long time. But as you were talking about Alan Wake 2 and these trippy moments, I'm like, the, those nightmare scenes in back, Max Payne 1 and 2, yep. you're walking through the house and the, there's a baby crying. And the, tr- the blood trail that you follow. The blood trails. The blood trails, yeah. yeah. And, I'm and like, then there was some of the um, the comic strip sequences were like poking at the fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, oh, it's it's the same crew. It's, it's Remedy. Well, Sam Lake, who's the creative director at Remedy, is the facial actor for Max Payne. He's yeah, yeah, but... Actual character in Alan Wake yeah, too. He plays. Alex I know. Casey. It's only. It's only because. It's only because you started talking about the this these sort of traits in in yeah. Alan Wake two and Control. Like that. I then like. Oh yeah, there were these hints and Max Payne, you know, film noirish, you know, yep. action game with bullet time and you know at the in, in its best moments is a really cool action game. Does have these really weird, really trippy. Moments that it's just like disconcerting, and well, yeah. I felt it back then when I was playing it for the first time. I'm like, what is this shit? Why? Am I, I mean, Max Payne is a tortured character, yes, but why am I walking through here, blood trails, and a baby crying, like a baby crying in distress? Yes, yeah, so, it's yeah. just. I think, yeah, this, and I'd probably tack Neo in here as well, is like, um, just for the sake of structure, like, have the, basically, like, two brands of weird here. And one is, it just feels like it's almost the only way that it can really express something that just cannot be done in a straightforward, normal way. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, Mac, I like, I like the idea of Max Payne. Actually, strange comparison to make, but it, it kind of reminds me of Neon Genesis Evangelion, where it kind of Trojan horses in this absolute mindfuck through what starts out as, like, this kind of, like, routine action by the week, by the numbers thing, and then just goes completely off the rails and becomes so much richer for it. Yeah. Well, it, it, that seems to be also a thing with Remedy, right? Um, they, they've got these kind of moments in each game where things really take the, the, the step off the deep end, right? And mm. and they ha- And they're usually at this key kind of point in the game where there's this super cool kind of set piece so in in alan wake there was the old gods of asgard stage we had this kind of big battle with the darkness and you were using the the stage and the fireworks to 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 break down the light and then in uh control it was the ashtray maze which 
was amazing. I died twice during that. It kind of ruined the ruined the moment, the, the, the flow. <laughs> uh, and then in in Alan Wake Two, there is another one like that that is even more mad and even more amazing. And to to tell you anything about it would completely ruin it for people yeah, that haven't played yeah. it. Yeah, possibly. Um, but I guess. Sorry, sorry, cut in there. No, 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 no. So I, I think like, and then at I those particular levels, and I think the Max Payne example is is true to that too, because I I have that same feeling that 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 point in Max Payne, the first time you do the the blood trail, is when things kind of take that deep end, and they use these kind of odd moments in their games to signify, okay, things are about to go off the rails a bit. Things are about to. They're kind of like a signpost for you, the gamer, to say, okay, you you got a bit comfortable in the start of the game here. Things are going to take a wild turn for a bit, so strap yeah. in, boys. Yeah, possibly, but I guess like why that sort of <clears throat> felt so different for me and Max Payne is because it was such a departure from the otherwise other parts of the game. Whereas I think. In a game like Control, Control's it was weird. Already, pretty much, from the it was already. You mean weird, that janitor like, and everything's kind of strange in there? Yeah, so it's it's weird all the way through. So mm. that maze is also super weird, but it's like, well, I know, but I've already spent the last four five hours already being weirded out. So, like, this is more weird. So give <laughs> me more of that good stuff. Like, give me more of it. Love it. Like, I'm here for whatever weird you threw at me. But w- when it happened in, 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 in Max Payne, it was such a departure and so unexpected that it was jarring. It was far more jarring than, than, mm. than it was in, at least for me, Control, because Control was like, well, this is built on weird. Built on weird, yeah. You, control um, is like you were in a warehouse of all the X Files shit, like. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love Control so much. Yeah, control's so good, and and Alan Wake Two is better. But yeah, and it's, and it's no spoiler to say Artie returns in Alan Wake Two. Yeah, well they've yes they've they've <laughs> released images of him and and also he's still fucking nuts, but he's cool. <laughs> he's the coolest weirdo character in gaming. I think is Artie the janitor. Mm. Because you know that dude knows some shit, but he's not letting. I want to challenge that, but I have not pre-prepared notes, and I'm going to like have a moment when I wake up at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to challenge the idea that Artie knows shit? Or? No, challenge the idea that he's the coolest weird character. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, you'll you'll be waking up later. It's like, oh damn it, this was better. <laughs> I think like part of the genius, and you mentioned the amazing control, which is something mm. like part of the best thing that can make games, and maybe why this stuff's going to get better going forward. And I don't know if I mean, we literally have our retro expert here, so to speak, Rob. If the, some of this stuff would be a lot harder to pull off back then, because there's probably a lot of technological know-how that is required to make stuff go crazy. Because it's like I wish I, I'm terrible at remembering names. Like, so I can't remember what theorists I was talking about way back when I was, you know, studying art at university. But I love this idea. And I can't, I can't for the love of me remember. I, I can't remember what film. No, I'm talking about a film. Mm. Um, no, I'm oh. talking about a theorist, not a painter. Um, but I think it was the film they were referring to specifically was the original Metropolis. And the idea of like, they, like woman runs into a cave and it just, everything goes black. And so space doesn't exist anymore. And they're just in what you would call like any space, whatever. And so all that is left is a canvas for expression. 
And so, like, everything that happens on that character's face, like, just says something. Like, everything that happens now is a form of expression. And to get that crazy with environments and games probably takes a remarkable amount of technical achievement. Yeah. I would definitely say so. I mean, you're going to need, you know, the storage capability um, and memory and then the the artist workload to be able to produce that stuff and just being able to coordinate it, switching out like that, especially on... Like even you know PS4, Xbox One gen, where you're still on spinning rust um, for for game data, you know, I imagine it's a lot easier to do some of those tricks now on PS5 or, yeah, or the series. Yeah, we're using it to just like insta travel really fast. But there there is yeah. probably some in, some if you will. The problem is like your big budget risks, like trying to do something that bananas. Mm, yeah, you know, in a Sony game studio releases, I'm sure Insomniac has the creative abilities for it. Do they have the Green Heights is maybe another. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I'd also probably like lump um, near together in like kind of like that more like the this weird is being used to like actually make a point that is just not as easily made if everything is normal and just regular people in regular perspective and like just normal looking areas with regular ass lighting. Then there's you know the other side of weird, which is kind of where I was getting with Mario Worst. It's like weird that is just because it's kind of fun. Yeah, just because it's a video game. Is, yeah, That's the only reason. You know? Like, you know, driving a tiger around in Saints Row, which I think I refer to, like, every 10 episodes. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... Not? Yeah, I mean, I, I, one of the ones that came to mind for me is in a game that's that's kind of... kind of funny in its writing to begin with, but sort of mostly, not completely point of absurd, is Star Control 2, where you have an alien race called the Oars, who are implied to be from another dimension. And because of that, your, like, your translation, like, the translation interface for their speech is just, like, bits it understands, and then bits where it's, like, it can't decipher it, so it sticks completely weird words in there. So you're trying to have a conversation with this race, and it's just, like, it's kind of nonsensical, because you're just responding in, you know, the equivalent of, like, English to their whatever there it is, and it's just... It sounds me, fun. I think that hit. Yeah, it's it an interesting thing interesting thing and actually building on that that reminds me of something even older and even weirder is an old game called captain blood um which is a game that came out of france and the idea is you're a the game itself is very weird because you're trying to hunt down your clones to get their life force um as you do and to do that you're flying around space you're going to planets and you're trying to talk with the with the alien species that you find and all you've got are like i've only i I haven't actually played it i've basically read about it i've got a copy of it that i've been meaning to sit down with for some time but you you have like a little icon driven interface and it's like trying to work out what to say to them to construct something that they can understand and respond to you with and that's just very very strange um and i think that it's that it always that one has always stuck in my head for wanting to try it out for that alone because of what that brings to the table in like having the language aspect not only being something you have to learn but just trying to have to get used to that in basically when you're dealing with nothing but text really um and and icons for like you know these 16-bit computers back in the 80s um which is what i originally released on I think um, 
the eighties and nineties had a massive influx of weirdness in their games because I think there was there was no definition of what makes a good game. Kind no, but there was of back a then, definition sort of, of a twelve year old boy who had access who had access pocket yeah. money, so it gave us shit like yeah, Batman. yeah. So. I mean, you look at some of the people that come out of that era and I, I immediately think of Tim Schafer um, oh, because weird is kind of his trademark, right? But he uses yeah. weird in, it's, uh, in yeah, so wonderful ways. Psychonauts, again, like probably yeah. like, literally just bought Psychonauts too earlier today. Yeah. But like it, he almost makes it so cohesive. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, make yeah, it's, That it's not weird. Yeah. <laughs> like he makes the weird normal, yeah, that's, you know? That, that's kind of the, the issue. I mean, not issue, but... The challenge is that, like, in that, is weird when something happens at a tangent from a game that goes off in a distance, uh, it goes off in a different direction. That is that the weird thing, or if the entire thing is already weird. <laughs> yeah. Speaking from the original Psychonauts perspective, is I think once you've sold a person on that game. Like, once you've gotten to buy in enough to, like, buy that disc, and yep. you know, we're talking at a time when it was buy that disc, um, then, of course, you're slapping doors on people's foreheads and jumping in to deal with the mental psychosis. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, I like that, though. It used that concept to do weird things gameplay-wise uh, in both of them. Um, mm. Like, for example, the the gigantic Godzilla level in the lungfish in the original Psychonauts where all of a sudden it's gone from like a platformer to your kind of this giant monster crushing the lungfish or just <laughs> people <laughs> just because or, actually I or, guess or the, a weird disorienting place the milkman level like the milkman one, level like, yeah I was about there must to say, have been yeah. some sort of physics issues I had to solve to make you be able to like weave around yeah like that. and I guess Psychonauts is a and... maybe Tim Schafer's work is this weird line specifically Psychonauts where it is kind of like meeting the balance between using that to like address some serious themes in ways that maybe couldn't be addressed otherwise, while also just being goofy and fun at the same time. Like, yeah, because because as we're talking about again, you know, I'm thinking of things uh, as we're chatting, and I'm like, what's a weird thing? You know what's weird? You know what's really weird? When they had that panda in Tekken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, just some of the fun stuff in Japanese games, I, and I still learn, yeah. like there has to be some logic behind it. When and it may be as simple the- as well. We were modeling some stuff and then we put it in the game. Like we were learning how to do three D. My guess would be they were learning how to do three D. A panda is like probably a like a round, easy to model type shape. And because, then at some point like, they went, "Fuck it, let's put that thing back in it. and give it a couple of punches." I mean, I mean, this was a game where somebody had a, a leopard for a head, and then you still had a mokujin, the the the, the wooden mannequin yep. fighting thing. And I mean, and, and talking about the eighties and the nineties, when you had secrets in games, mm. Easter eggs, and well, you still like- do them now, but but this was at a time when you don't know whether those stories were true, and yeah, so like yeah. a friend told you something. Oh, if you press the buttons in a particular way, you can rip somebody's head off in Mortal Kombat fatalities. Like, <laughs> oh, that turned out to be those, true, but that turned out to be true. And you then play like, as oh, Bill Clinton in NBA Jam. That I believe also that was turned out to be true. Also true, and I didn't know how to turn it off at my local roller skating arena that I got to go to yes. like once a year because it was. But then, like, <laughs> if you press buttons in a particular way, Chun Li in Street Fighter will fight naked. That yeah. was not. Oh, true. yeah. 
no. See, that's not weird. Shang that's Wong. just like Shang boys oh, no. getting to puberty but, and like having wishes that they're trying to. Like, but, but you, you get what I mean? Like there was a period yeah, yeah. of time when information was not readily transferable or transmittable. Like nowadays, if the game has an Easter egg or has a hidden secret. Like somebody will dig through it, and then somebody mm. will put a YouTube video of it within two days of the game being released. Like yeah. there are people who are. But digging if you through want this- to simulate that like misinformation train, just log into Twitter, <laughs> or actually log out because maybe you follow some trustworthy people. Just like go to Twitter like on a clean slate account. I, I mean, if you're talking about general misinformation, that's one yeah, thing. that's what you <laughs> just just retweet anything Elon says. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was a period of time when like secrets were not known and secrets were hard to get to, and if you did get to the secret level, which was which maybe might have been not weird because it was intended to be, but you end up in a part of the game map that you were never oh. meant to go to. Yeah, I'm oh, sure I found too. one or two secrets in games and maybe in Commander Keen or something, and I had no idea what had just happened. Co- correct, absolutely. And that was like, what was that? And you, then you try to recreate, and you can't. And then you tell your friend in school during recess, and they're like, nah, you're just making shit up. <laughs> well, like in Doom 2, it, it, the final boss, if you clip through the final boss using the cheat, it's John Romero's head on a pike behind... Behind the boss, like the big devil creature, the icon of sin, yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's a it was a different time in which I think not, I, I, this is this is a tangent to our our central mm. topic, but weird also, you know, existed. I think at a time when information about something was not near a hundred percent known. And it was yeah. easy, not easier, but it was a different type of weird. Like, um, I mean, that data mining you're talking about that people do these days, it's so prevalent, in fact, that in Remnant 2, they literally have a character class that you can only access if you are a data miner. They've built that uh, into the game. All right, I kind of respect that. Well, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I will never, <laughs> never get to play that class. No, no, and most people won't, but there is a class in Remnant 2 that you can play as if you're a data miner. You can find out how to get it, and you've got to go in and data mine to get it. And they built that into the game because they basically, you know, the developer said, look, there's no point fighting data miners because people are going to do it regardless if we say we don't may as well or not. So we, PR. we may as well have a bit of fun with it, right, and then get this kind of goodwill story. But there is literally a, a, a class, an archetype in Remnant 2 that that you can only use if you're a data miner. So, yeah. Imagine if you were playing that and you came across somebody as that class. Yeah. It's wild, right? It would be wild. You're like, what are you? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super wild. It's I love that sort of stuff when you, you find out developers have just gone, you know, fuck it, why not? Uh, <laughs> I love that attitude in games because it's games, right? You can do that. Games give you that freedom to say, fuck it, why not? It's a video game. That's your excuse. Um, movies can't do it. You know, animation can do it to a bit, to a certain extent, you know, but generally video games is that pure freedom of the developers to go, hey, we've got this central story, but, you know, we can do some wild shit on the edges that doesn't matter and most people won't see, but the people that do will really appreciate it or, you know, at least get a kick out of it. 
<laughs> I love Even that sort of stuff. Even though it doesn't have to be on the end, like, you stop and think that, like, Street Fighter 2 had a bonus game where you beat up a car, and it wasn't, like, a hidden yeah. thing at all. It's just, no, punch no. this car for 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because video games, right? That, that's the <laughs> only reason that that exists. That's just because video games. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you know what? Like, maybe I've been acclimatized to that specific section of the game for so long i didn't think of it as weird until like no i didn't at all <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i think that it's weird, weird how to play a street fighter game without the bashing the car so <laughs> doesn't feel right <laughs> it's the same as like you know the, the infamous wall chicken like a lot of wall the mechanics chicken. particularly in the 90s i guess that like we took for granted are just just outright bizarre that again you're like smashing bricks open and like getting sustenance. Yeah, the the, the trash can chicken from Final Fight. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, sure, I want to eat the roast chook that just came out of the big garbage bin in the street. <laughs> yeah. Then there are probably there are definitely some indies that like just go all out and some probably for us own sake and then Actually, was one I really want to play, and was, I hate I hate myself because like actually watching a let's play. But my wife is also on board with this. Like, in, have you ever seen the Internet Cafe Simulator games? No, no I've heard of them. Internet I Cafe Simulator them, Two just just looks like the strangest, most compelling shit. And like, part of it is just like like this terrible English translation. It's clearly not a first language thing. Yep. Um, and you're running this kind of like hole in the wall. Like camels are delivering shit. Um, internet like cafe ends like you have one computer like in this dusty kind of town and like you're like dealing with people running in and like maybe even suicide bombers or things like coming into your internet cafe and like just blowing shit up and I'm like this seems strange and broken and janky and I want to play it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I forgot forgot, that goes along the line of all those simulator games like goat simulator hit yeah like record levels on YouTube, and it, it it cops a lot of shit from people like us that play a lot of games. It's but fun to play around is, in that for a couple of hours. Though. It's it's a game you can play with anyone and have a laugh, right? It's uh, also a know, great game to tell a person about who, ten years ago when it came out, was complaining about too many boring realistic simulators. And you go, yeah. oh man, I just got Goat Simulator. He's like, see, this is exactly the shit I'm talking about. And then you boot <laughs> up Goat Simulator for yeah. them and watch them lose their goddamn minds. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, what is he doing in goat silver? Well, I've strapped some rockets to my back and I've launched myself into the stratosphere as a goat. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. I feel like I'm forgetting oh. like a key, like a, um, oh, sorry, stuff like 30 Flights of Loving, yeah. And like Dead Silence, nobody, 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 nobody's ever actually mm. played this, right? Everybody needs to go and watch that on YouTube and be like, ah, um, okay. And then you can move on with your lives. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. one that came out today, I think, or yesterday, Thirsty Suitors, or was it last week? Oh, that game looks amazing. Um, it's like part rhythm game, part, I don't know, dating sim. It looks part... like rhythm dating horny Jet Set Radio, and I'm kind of like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's super <laughs> odd. Like, that shit's crazy, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. a little disappointed that I haven't seen more reviews of that popping up, actually, because that looks super interesting. Well, it's out on Game Pass now, I think, so it'll probably start popping up soon. We can find people. Kind of like moved onto games that are like just straight out weird, as opposed to like indulging, indulging in weirdness. Yeah, yeah. The the, the boring, obvious example of this Far Cry, because I always seem to have like a trippy drug scene. 
Yeah, well, that's kind of a trademark now. I think there, it's one in it's every It's actually, it's like game. routine weird. It's like yeah, routine yeah, yeah. horror in a Call of Duty game. Um, yeah, there's, there's always, it's kind of a trope of the, the franchise now. The thing is, it's though, just, it, it actually does work, though, just because it changes stuff, like, it takes familiar mechanics and, like... Wax them around. And... I wish it, I, w- I honestly wish they would just get more, just completely off the, find a way to go more completely off the rails in general. Because the drugs is just a very convenient excuse to like have a weird section in a container. Yeah, we can just like put this in a box, and eventually you're going to have a come down, and everything be back to normal again. Well, that, that goes with the Yakuza games, really, in every one of those, except for the most recent one. I think there's there's some side mission involving kinky old Japanese men wearing nappies. Like, it's just, it's in all the Yakuza games for some reason. Um, and by the seventh game, you're just waiting for it to, to happen, right? You, oh you're waiting for it to, to show up. The side in Yakuza games is so good. Yeah. Like, I, I always go back to the one in Yakuza 0 where you're helping out a dominatrix who's too nice to be a dominatrix. Oh, I vaguely remember and, this. And then, like, yeah, so, they all so go away to have an goal. orgy or something in the end. And I've forgotten, like, that. Yeah, the whole goal is he makes her, like, treat this guy like shit because, you know, her job is a dominatrix and she's upset. That's what he's paying for. He doesn't want you to, like, like be cute and offer him chocolates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's too nice to be a dominatrix and she's all stressed about losing her money, so Kiryu helps her out, you know. Don't be a nasty bitch to him, you know. It's it's just... (laughs) Those games do, like, a great job of it where they're always somehow charming. Yeah, yeah, And, and never once... Like feels like it descends into just being smutty for smutty's sake in this kind of whole quest. It's just the absurdity of that concept of a dominatrix I being too l- nice. Is, I would love to yeah. like get a spend a month in that office and like see how those things get workshops. Do they just like have an ideas box? Do people just have these strange things that they saw on TV and said, "What if we did it?" Like you know, because shit like you know, like the pop star or whatever, and he just keeps losing mm. his wig, and you're chasing a wig all over. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a sketch from, like, a Monty Python show or something. You know, the dominatrix that was too nice. You, you know, it, it feels like something that's been ripped from some absurd comedy sketch show. But, yeah. <laughs> and it just I, I, works I like, so well in game. I like especially now how, like, of so many indie devs feel like they can be weird and still find their niche. Yeah. Um, like, you, you talked about thirsty suitors, but there's also, like... Which is which is that game? And we've lost Ken. I'm gonna guess mm. you. Oh, Ken, you're back. Oh, he's it's a dungeon hunter. Or like, it's Ken, a you literally hunter. just disappeared. And we lost what you were saying. Oh, sorry. I was saying like indie devs. They get to be. Yeah, you got to thirsty suitors and then disappeared. All right. Maybe you want to cut this in. You know, there's thirsty suitors, but also there's that game where the boyfriends are all swords in a dungeon crawler game. I thought you were going to talk about how to full boyfriend, but it's a similar idea. Which, yeah, isn't Hatterful Boyfriend also, like, pi- Dating pigeons? pigeons, yeah, you're dating pigeons. Dating pigeons? <laughs> and then, like, in what world, in what other world can we get tr- Trombone Champ? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Hatterful Boyfriend, Trombone Bo- Champ, those were both, like, felt like the biggest games in the world for, like, a week. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for exactly one week, no more. <laughs> but it's still fucking great that it happened, it, like... It's it's great, and you know we've got like Untitled Goose Game, and then we got like Frog Detective. Yeah, yeah, Goose Game is fantastic. Yeah, 
It's it's. I mean, you you. We talked about Goat Simulator, and that just you know earlier, and that you know that just went off the rails. That was just yeah. crazy. But I think Houston Simulator is like its own subgenre at this point. Yeah, yeah. But it can be weird. There's like there's a whole genre of simulators where it's just like what's the game with the cars trying to get out of mud? Mud tire simulator. Oh yeah, um, entire. Yeah, I know the one. Mud runner. Mud runner. And I'm like, yep. Guys, like, <laughs> yeah, pa- power wash simulator, power that... wash simulator, and then it was yep. like, I am bread. Yeah, like Fumblecore is a is a whole thing. I am bread is actually pretty fun until it gets frustrating. <laughs> but it's There's also like sort of that... game that was clearly designed for YouTube Let's Plays. Like that was its yeah yeah yeah. How can we, I, how I feel can like we... Goat Simulator kind of almost started that yeah. trend in in creating these weird games that that make for 20-minute fun clips on YouTube. I mean, they are, but, you know, like, it, it's only because, well, one, we're, we're kind of embracing our inner weird now, but also, also like, how, how if we're talking about these type of games, we haven't talked about Octodad, because that was fucking... Yeah, weird. that's another yep. one. I, it was the fucking weirdly... PlayStation launch title, uh, yes, Bugsnax. Yeah. Bugsnax is pretty fun, actually. Um <laughs> Octodad actually suffered from trying to be too much of it. Like, it went in the wrong direction. It started yep. weird and then still had the really clumsy control, but, controls, but turned into more and more of a conventional video game and kind of lost its charm as a result as you went Yeah, on. Yeah, that was, that's disappointing to hear, but it's just... Katamari. Yeah. Yeah, I was, we can't like, talk weird I, without Katamari. <laughs> I, that was my game that I was playing earlier this year. That game is still fucking great. It's a good game, but Jesus Christ, I still don't know what the hell it's about. I have no I'm idea. Just rolling a ball. Oh, so it totally has a premise. The king of all cosmos went on a bender. He knocked all the stars out of the sky. You got to roll up some more. Go get him, champ. I don't. I don't even understand how the scoring works in Catamaran. No, no, I, I, I just roll the ball and have a grand old roll, time. Roll, doing roll, it. roll, 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 and oh, then it's like mostly just how much bigger than the than the um. Although sometimes it's like specific item and then you get like great stuff like a sumo wrestler who's like insecure because he's not fat enough so you gotta like roll him over like all the food until like he's just this gigantic blob that's... Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But it's nice it's nice that people can take weird and actually make it like the key part or like the the, the, uh, the number absolutely. one highlight like that's the central theme or focus of the game they can really lean into it it's it's a different time and and you know good for good and it, for it's it. such a refreshing kind of thing to go to especially as someone that like plays a lot of games and reviews a lot of games and so many of them are like and i enjoy video games i wouldn't be doing it otherwise but you know so many of them are things i've played before just in a new format uh you know if i'm playing a first person shooter Essentially, they're all the same. There are differences between them. Don't get me wrong, but the premise is the same. Uh, are you playing a you know third-person action game? You know any of Sony's first-party titles? They're all very good, but you know there's a lot of similarities between them. But then you can you can play something like that, have a great time, but then you go to this kind of palate cleanser, weird indie title that kind of just gives you that breath of fresh air in amongst the gigantic. Triple A bombast that you're usually assaulted with, and and I, I find myself doing that more and more nowadays. That you know, in between a review, I've got some quirky little roguelike or something that I'm playing, or, or an odd platform. How or, good it yeah. would be if an, if a Spider-Man game just without it being no one just went full Spider-Verse. 
Like, just a hard like left turn. I feel like they're getting there. I think you, they have to. Playing it, I'm playing it now, and it, it, it's definitely walking in that territory. It's it's not there yet, but I, I think they have a plan to. I'm I'm probably talking. I'm like you know talking like going into like noir Spider Man land, and like actually have like t- literally turning the game into like L A noir for like thirty minutes or something. And that, with Nick Cage as the voice, <laughs> isn't he just the regular? Is it? Yeah, he was the noir one, wasn't he? He was yeah. the noir, noir that was one. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's there's your selling point. No one can complain because that's the Nick Cage. Cage section. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I really like I, I find as I get older and more jaded I appreciate the oddities in my catalogue more than I ever did because they offer that that relief from the same stuff that we play a lot of I, mean, yeah, I, I just want to I, end off yep sorry I just want to end off what is that game it's tickling the back of my mind it was like a three, you know, like a third person, supposedly mi- like military shooter. Spec Ops Alliance? Set in the Middle East. No, set in the Middle East, but it got increasingly weirder and weirder. And I think. Spec Ops Alliance. Spec Ops Alliance. Spec Ops, mm. yes. Spec yeah. Ops. Yep. Yeah, when, with, when it deals with. Um, like so the reason I am and, yeah. very aware of just how nasty um, White Phosphorus is as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, Doing the weird thing, but like making some very serious points with it. So we're like going full circle back to the Alan Wake side of things here. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, almost some of the, some of those things though end up becoming tropes. Like yeah, uh, like the Fight Club ending. Like mm-hmm. uh, what was I reviewing with Jess just recently, and they they did a Fight Club ending. But yeah, it was something, and I went to Jess. Oh, they did a Fight Club, and she went, "Yep, they did a Fight Club." And you're like, <laughs> you know, and it becomes like a trope that that, that gets dragged out whenever they need a twist I mean, or it something. Makes you know, sense and, that you would reuse the yeah. ideas, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't begrudge them, although I guess it's a little bit sad. And I'm sure my parents have had the same shit with me. Like, when you don't appreciate how amazing this was. When it happened in like 1983 or something, I'm like, well, I'm yeah. sorry, I was maybe born then, maybe not. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are those moments in media that that change everything, and they're never the same again. I, you know, I always think of um, that Simpsons well, the Ma- episode. Even actually, the Matrix at this with, point, I wonder. Like, yeah, the Matrix was one of them, but definitely, I was thinking the Simpson episode where Homer walks out and goes, "Oh, who would have guessed that Darth Vader's Luke's father?" And the whole line of <laughs> people going, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, Blowing up, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly hope no young children are watching this because some of the, my favorite wholesome little things that you occasionally find videos of is when Star Wars geek parents are filming their kids when yeah. they decided that they're old enough to watch it now. Like, find that out for the first time, and these like adorable little faces going. <laughs> <laughs> I I had that reaction with Dogma with my eldest son who'd watched all the Jay and Silent Bob movies but didn't realise Dogma was a Jay and Silent Bob movie. Oh, wow. so, <laughs> he's like, oh my God. It's a, you know, because teenage boys love Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, Do- yeah, Dogma was a bit above his head. Hard, yeah. hard. <laughs> Although it's getting harder and harder to be a mole rat, so that thing is slowly going to lose its son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I feel like there's like one more thing I want to bring up and I've just completely blanked now. What What's really going to niggle the back of my brain is wanting to say, you know, this is the greatest weird character and like... The greatest weird character. Picking no, up my Artie. phone and like sending Artie. a private message, message to you. Yes. 
I'll get a, I'll get a DM on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I told you this guy was cooler and weirder. <laughs> oh no, we got de- we got derailed in um the um Tim Schafer's stuff. I did want to give out shout out to Sam and Max at the road, especially yep. just because they've got that one room and I don't know how hard it would have been to do in like 1993, but like where everything is just like the sizes of everything is wrong and you get bigger and smaller and like the sprite scaling is just like the perception, yeah, all over <laughs> the place. Um. And they actually tie that into a puzzle really, really cleverly as well. And that whole game is, like, a little bit strange, but, like, it, it really just has a, has a moment there. It's like, we have found the off-kilter point in this adventure. I, th- I think that game announced it as a tension when the very first puzzle, you have to, like, slap um, Max's head into the wall or something to get something out of it. You just use the rabbit as a battering ram. Oh, yeah. And- um, no. He's like an, an action icon in your... Yeah, um, yeah. There, you have to get your orders from a cat. Yeah, you have to rip the yeah. head off. Street. Yeah. Um, you don't rip its head off, but you li- you use Max as an inventory item. And for yep. anybody who's confused <laughs> right now, Sam is a dog in a police suit, and Sam is a psychotic little rabbit with, like, Max. V-shaped teeth. Um, and you literally yeah. use Max as an inventory item, click him on the cat, and he just, like, walks over, shoves his hand right, like, literally straight through its neck. Pulls out the orders and throws the cat away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That game was great. the old classic Lucas Art point and click. That game space. is legitimately pretty yeah. great, though. Um, <laughs> on the Monkey Island, a whole, you get that, but a bit more wholesome. So you know, you know, if you got your yeah. kids, maybe go with that one instead. Even the new one. I'm playing the new ones. In the, again, I'm playing a lot of stuff in the background right now. Mm. I'm playing a lot of nostalgia. Playing a remake of Nia, a remake of Metroid, and a friggin' nostalgic throwback of Monkey Island. I'm living <laughs> ten or more years ago, apparently. Um, anyway, I'm still blinking on something, but instead of, you know, like, drawing the show out another 30 minutes just so I can say, Aha! Maybe we should just, like, wrap this up and let people yell at their phones or whatever and say, What about this? Um, what about this? Yeah. So, you know, can I'm going to ask you first if you have anything you want to, like, throw out there, because I'm scared you're just going to disappear again. What? As do you have your socials? Do you have something coming up? In the oh slide? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at Pixel Hunt on the on Twitter. Uh, you almost said X. I almost you did. Almost said X. I said. I, I was. I, I was actually almost going to say X, formerly known. Well, no, I was going to say be like Twitter, a- formerly known as X. Like I was going to try to be clever and swap the two. <laughs> anyway, like a uh, Prince joke. Yeah. I'm I'm at Twitter um, at Pixel Hunt. I am currently, as we speak, well, I was I was editing some video, uh, editing a single video clip so I can put it on the uh, on the Player Two YouTube channel as a new Player Two plays. Um, so hopefully that should be out soon. I'm also at Pixel Hunt on Blue Sky, but I'm actually I haven't logged you in sh- forever. You should maybe start logging in there. It's I hear it's good, but I'm also I'm, I'm I'm more afraid that if I if I just like I might lose the account. I hope I don't lose the account. Well, That's whatever what, your motive, but, just log in at some point. <laughs> yeah. Rob, it's been yeah. a while. Uh, it has, it has. I've um, so I had a review go up last week on Haunted House, um, just after Spooky Season, which was another uh, remake of an of an ancient Atari property, which. Did some things interestingly. Had a load of bugs, which is really annoying. Um, kind of interesting. And like I said, I'm doing this review on um, Berserk Recharge, which hopefully the full write-up will be up probably next week. Um, when you're hearing this, 
Um, I mean, also doing my video stuff there, which is youtube.com slash at beyond the scanlines. And if you want me on Twitter, it's it's my full name, so Rob underscore Caporetto. Um, if you want to watch his YouTube that. stuff, go to YouTube because he keeps on forgetting to promote it on Twitter these days. Well, I promoted it elsewhere. And Blue Sky, it's just Rob Cap because I didn't want to stick my full name and I couldn't get Rob Fair C, game. which is what I would have preferred. Um, <laughs> it's a long name and Blue Sky's uh, thingo links make it even longer. <laughs> you so Captain. Well, you can still find find me at Huso81 on the on the Twitter and then Huso on everything else, Blue Sky Threads, whatever. I've, I've got them all. I've got them all. Um Mastodon. We've got so many. I don't have that, one that, one's, that one's a bit. That one's a bit weird for me. Um, I've got. We've got so many reviews up on Player Two at the moment. Like last it's week, nuts. we were literally scheduling like two or three a day. It, it was is just insane. It is um, nuts, and that's not uh, slowing down this week, as far as I can tell. I've got my uh, Like a Dragon review going up. Uh, well, it'll be up by the time this is out. Um, we've also. Got a few others in the can ready to go. Um, so, yeah, we, we got reviews covered. And make sure you head over to our YouTube channel. It, it, it is helping us that people are watching our new stuff and trying some new things over there. So go and subscribe at that. And, and, and you know, it puts a couple of cents in our pocket and helps with the increasing price of server costs, which keep fucking going up. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. That helps. <laughs> Before we have to drag the MP3 quality of this recording down even lower. <laughs> Save on server space. <laughs> Sorry, Cass, you can't afford 96 kilobytes per second anymore. We're going to have to drag it all the way down to 64. It's called <laughs> retro chic. <laughs> oh, 90s. 90s. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm um, at pretend bot. Wait, no, I'm not pretend by. I'm pretend beard. On the Twitters, which I now have to look at every now and then, because I have, if I want to see the actual horrible news that's happening, I need to look somewhere. Um, and Blue Sky is apparently too nice for that, although that is where I would prefer to be hanging out. And also, it's still bugging the crap out of me, because I just remembered again that Vegas video editing, which I'll be using to turn the video recording of this call into an MP3, keeps on saying that that said 96 kilobytes per second MP3 is quote-unquote near CD quality. <laughs> <laughs> It was when the when the whatever when the first version came out. Lol. Yeah, well, I mean, this is an older version that I bought, but you know, it's an older version from two years ago. It's like a 2018 version, I think. At that point, there's a good bundle.